for the benefit of those with flash photography. everyone and welcome to DreamWork. I, as always, am Colin Delaney. In a moment, I will be joined by my tag team partner, Cheech. We are the professional wrestling tag team known as To Infinity and Beyond. And as you already know, we are a tag team and we are talking about tag teams. Uh, this is my, I don't know how many time attempting to record an intro. Usually I'm a little better at this, but I was trying to, uh, start things off a little differently and mention the fact that, uh, last night after we got done recording, found out that Mitch Ryder had passed away and Mitch Ryder is a guy who Cheech and I both shared locker rooms with and both enjoyed very much. Uh, Mitch really was one of a kind. Uh, so I felt I'd be remiss if I didn't mention it. Uh, rest in peace, Mitch Ryder. Now, let's get into this week's team. I assume you read it before you clicked it, so you know that this week we are talking about America's Most Wanted. No, not the Fox show starring uh, John Walsh, but the Wildcat Chris Harris and Cowboy James Storm. Uh, here on the podcast, a lot of times me and Cheech will get into kind of breaking down what we saw while we watched them wrestle. But uh, in this episode, I feel like it's almost more important, uh, their influence. You know, when you watching the matches, but, I, you know, I go and I do some research before and just thinking about what they meant to that company, the impact that they made, uh, pun intended. I mean, not intended, but I did it. so. There it is. It's out there. <laughs> the impact they made on NWA TNA is is uh, unbelievable. Uh, they really not only carried the tag division, but kind of that company that, you know, was a little bit void of of their own stars, you know, guys who weren't from anywhere else. And uh, they showed up. They were TV ready. They they look great. They move great. They 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 were perfect. They were exactly what that company needed. And I'm not sure that company gets to where they are now, almost open for 20 years, without them. Uh, I can't help but think about like, what if they were still around? Can we get uh, a 2020, 2021 uh, America's Most Wanted run? Can I see Wildcat Chris Harris and Cowboy James Storm against the North? Can I see America's Most Wanted against the Motor City Machine Guns? Please? Whew. Anyways, just thinking about it. That sounds awesome. But let's get right down into it as we talk about weighing in at a total combined weight of 462 pounds, the Wildcat Chris Harris, Cowboy James Storm, America's Most Wanted. Let's do it, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. What's up, buddy? Oh, not a whole lot, man. How are you? I'm doing all right. You know, staying indoors and whatnot. <laughs> What'd you have for dinner? Uh, turkey cutlet. That's it? Um, and I also had a dinner roll. <laughs> wow. Spoiler alert, you guys. We record this around dinner time on Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, normally I, I eat it after, but today I said screw it and ate it early. Wow. Yeah, I was starving. Usually I eat after we get done too, but I was starving. Made myself a little little bacon cheeseburger action. Maybe it was all the total nonstop action we got. Just, you know, gave us a big appetite. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at first, we were probably going to watch a lot of the same matches, but then I got access to Impact Plus. Oh, snap. Yeah, so get ready. I got I got all kinds of wacky things to talk about as we talk about. That's right. Wildcat Chris Harris and Cowboy James Storm, America's Most Wanted. Yeah, good old AMW. Uh, uh, 
how so yeah preliminary thoughts going into amw america's most wanted how did you feel about this week um kind of in the middle like part of me was excited because it was impact or tna and you know we we haven't really delved into them too much um but part of me also i was just worried about the selection i was going to be able to watch i was like okay but i ended up having a lot more to watch than i thought that was my only concern was like do they have enough stuff that's readily and freely available yeah, uh, for those who don't know, Impact Plus, because I asked the same question about even Impact Plus, like, is everything on there? And the answer to that question is yes. Wow, really? That's good to know. Yeah, the all the Asylum years. Do you know they did over 100 weekly pay-per-views? Oh, yeah, dude. They, dude, they've been in business, like, for a long time at this point. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's crazy. <laughs> Well, no, I just thought that they did those weekly pay-per-views, but then eventually they got, like, impact and explosions, so they stopped doing those weekly pay-per-views. But, no, they did uh, over 100 weekly pay-per-views. Oh, yeah, no, it definitely went a while, yeah. And they were in different spots, too. There was the original fairgrounds in Nashville, and then they moved somewhere else. And then, yeah, like, they had a good run before they got on TV and stuff. That's crazy. That's crazy. And, And this team has been there since the start. I guess I going into it uh, I, I don't know i mean uh i was never uh never huge on the team i don't remember being huge on the team at least you know uh we used to get those weekly pay-per-views from time to time and i would watch them but i don't remember being overly uh gaga about them so i was uh, interested because as we will get into in a moment they do they are a uh an award-winning team in quite a few areas i was gonna say uh yeah i feel like my thoughts on them too were like Kind of same thing where you kind of undersold them a little bit just because you were like, oh, they're TNA's team. You know what I mean? Like it was real easy to just ride them off as go, oh yeah, yeah, they're uh, they're 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 this company's tag team. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So championships and accomplishments, they are six-time NWA tag team champions. Damn, damn, that's that's. Well, yeah, it makes sense. Like I said, they had a hell of a run, so yeah, I'm sure they. I'm sure that's not the only ones they've had. No, uh, and they also, I mean, James Storm clearly went on to do other things in the company, uh, but during their six reigns, they also each snuck in a seventh reign when uh, I think it was James Storm won one with Elix Skipper and Chris Harris won one with Christopher Daniels. See, like that, we'll get to it, but that was a fun feud, those guys. So, that that's a fun wrinkle to throw in a feud where uh, odd, strange bedfellows end up being tag champs. That's kind of cool. They are the TNA tag team of the year for 2003 and 2004. Yeah, they were killing it. You know what I mean? Like I said, they were TNA's team. They had TNA match of the year in 2004 against Triple X, the cage. Yeah, I have to imagine that's the one we're talking about. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, they are PWI Tag Team of the Year 2004. Good, like I said, man. Like uh, that's the thing. Uh, I was ex- I, part of me was also excited to see how well they did on these things because, like, like we discovered, they've been around a while. They were a stalwart of a team. Uh, they were also the runner-up to the PWI Tag Team of the Year in 2003. So. Well, we definitely uh, know they're big years. <laughs> they were also Wrestling Observer Tag Team of the Year 2005. Yeah, I was going to say, as I made that last statement, I was like, well, th- 03 and 04 ago, I definitely watched some 06 matches that were good. <laughs> and the, <laughs> the other award I wrote down that is worth noting, they were a part of the 2007 Observer Worst Worked Match of the Year versus each other in a Six Sides of Steel blindfold match. Okay, I was waiting for the wrinkle to come. As you're like, as it's unrolling, I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Up oh, there it is. There it is. <laughs> Had to throw it in because it involves both of them. Yes, but like as I watch, I was like, both of them. Oh, why would that be bad? In a cage? Why would that be bad? Blindfolded. Aha. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's the that's the one. That's the move. 
So, yeah, uh, as we just ran down, man, uh, Observer Tag Team of the Year in 05, PWI in 04, the runner-up in 03. I mean, they uh, they really did kind of dominate that that era just for tag team wrestling in general. I was going to say, uh, it it's kind of tough to look back at that, and you kind of forget, like, TNA was definitely hot. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure whatever numbers they were pulling then are amazing compared to what people are pulling now. But it just in general, I feel like they were at least in 03, 04, 05. I would assume they were definitely the number two promotion, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. But, I, I mean, I, there wasn't uh, really a whole lot of other competition. But that's And that's not to, like, talk down on what they were doing. There, There wasn't, but... You know they were they were doing good numbers. They were they were putting on good stuff. Some of my favorite stuff that I was doing is as I was taking notes after the match, I would let the show roll for like another segment, and that me letting it roll for another segment was inevitably almost always not fun though. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was like, I don't know, man. I saw that too, or just hearing on commentary things they were talking about. I was like, man, eh, okay, yeah. But once again. They 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 really were a bright spot. All right, what uh, what matches did you watch? Okay, uh, I started off hot with a Rock and Roll Express match, um, then an SAT, then the Naturals, then a Naturals versus a Triple X of Daniels and Skipper, then a Divine Storm, a D'Lo and AJ, a James Gang, which is uh, Road Dog and Billy Gunn. Uh, a Daniels and Skipper. Oh, that was the cage one. Obviously, I saw the cage. I saw uh, it was an indie slash house show match with uh, Sanjay and Saban. That was really good. Uh, team Canada, they did good with. A Team 3D, a Team Canada one, another Naturals one, a Rhino and Christian, um, and then a Naturals ladder match. Okay. Wow. You really did get a lot. Yeah. And like, well, that's the best thing. They were, it was in that, it would, these were mostly in that like Spike TV and early, like the, the, the year before that. So like they were under, you know I mean? They were always doing either a pay-per-view or TV. So they were always under time constraints. So it's not like any of these matches were like a half hour long or anything. Right. Yeah. No. Uh, so I also watched the SATs match. I also watched some rock and roll express. There is a couple of them, but I watched one of those. I watched them against Triple X, uh, Skipper and Daniels in a cage. I watched them against Skipper and Daniels without the cage. I watched them against Diamond and Swinger. I watched them against uh, Disco and Swinger. I watched them against the Naturals. I watched them against the Naturals. I watched them against Rude and Eric Young. I watched them against Petey and Eric Young. I watched them against AJ and Daniels. I watched them against AJ and Daniels. I watched them against LAX. I watched them against LAX. Oh, okay. The team Canada I saw was comprised of Petey and uh, Bobby Roode. Oh, the Roode and Eric Young one is awesome, by the way. Um, uh, we'll get into it. Uh, it's uh, they do have good matches with Team Canada, but in it, like, okay, I'll say it now. They have really good beginnings with Team Canada. They have better middles with the Naturals, and then I found they always had good endings with Daniels. Like it, with it anything never... with Chris Daniels in it? <laughs> well, of course. You know what I mean? In my head, I was like, man, I'm sure they could definitely put it all together and it's something great. But as I watched those matches, because they were, they had so much familiarity, but it was just like, it was odd because I remember like all the Team Canada ones I saw, I was like, wow, they always have really good opens. <laughs> uh, oh, man. The, you got to, that uh, Bobby Roode, Eric Young one is like a long guy. It's like, a, it was a pay per view one. So it like, it was like a huge build and it was like, it's it's a really really fun one but so from the start uh the sats match is one of the first ones that i i went and stalked down yeah me too uh <laughs> and it's you know that's like from like the one of the first 10 uh tna weekly pay-per-views uh technically it was not it was number 16 oh was it really yeah yeah, yeah. that's the i do have the numbers for all those i got like yeah that was number 16 but yeah, it was still definitely early on. I remember it being like kind of a big deal that it was like, oh my god, indie guys are finally getting on a pay per view. The SAT, oh my god. Yeah, yeah, and so watching this match, I was like, oh, I'm gonna enjoy this, but I'm probably gonna enjoy the wackiness that is the SATs more than I enjoy America's Most Wanted. 
And I'm actually happy to report that that's not the case. Yeah, no, it was a good match. Once again, because like they were all I, around 10 minutes, got in, got out, always action-packed, usually, you know what I mean? I think, uh, you know, a younger me, like 16 to 18-year-old me, probably younger, would have uh, liked that match for very different reasons, and I would have been all about the SATs. Of course. They were like they were what they were, and they and they brought what they brought, and you saw it in this match. But uh, you know, me now. Oh my god! Uh, the first thing I wrote was America's Most Wanted clearly better professional wrestlers. <laughs> yeah, right. And that's the thing. Back in the day, you always just thought, "Oh my god, SAT are the best." I was like, "No, they just had the coolest moves." Let's be honest. Yeah, America's Most Wanted did all the other things, though. Man, they had they had great little cells. They put fe- they had cool spots too, and they but they just put more feeling into those cool spots, you know. Yeah, uh, my big take from them was like they were like they were an amazing Southern tag team, which involves a lot of fists flying and a lot of fire, and they always did that great. Yeah, and early on, like. Uh, even in this SATs match, and they, they go on to continue to do it a bit, but they almost uh, lean into the style of the team that they're wrestling. Yeah, I noticed that because I feel like, uh, especially oddly, James Storm, I find odd because he's obviously a like we, he, we we've actually met him. I don't think I've ever met uh, Chris Harris, but. James Storm is technically the smaller and supposed to be the athletic one and does his, you know, HBK super kick. And you think like, he's the athletic one, but like, he's a big guy. Yeah. He's uh he's like six foot, like two forty. He's a, he's a, he's a thick boy, but he does Rana's and he does head scissors. He's like, it's weird because I never really thought of James Storm as doing like, uh, like juniors offense, like indie wrestling juniors offense, but he does. That's the thing. I remember, I remember getting that rap from him, but not necessarily seeing it when I watched because I don't know. I was used to the SAT, but yeah, you. I as watching digging into these matches, I was like, oh, he really like in his mind thinks he's like a small cruiserweight guy. And uh, I, I have met Chris Harris. He was Braden Walker on my version of ECW. Okay, and okay, I, I my guess, big boy. you tell me. Yeah, exactly, because when I saw him in there, okay, here was the big test. He was just as big as Billy Gunn. Yeah, he's a big, big boy, yeah. he's. A, I mean, I think he's actually only like 6'3", or maybe 6'4", but he's, he's, he's a big dude. He looked ginormous, and okay, here's my note in the SAT match. He keeps up with the SAT better than Storm does. Well, because Storm's trying to do more of what they do, whereas uh, Harris is kind of just, you know, he's letting them do their thing but staying in his own lane a little more. Yeah, very true, very true. But as I watched all these matches, like, I don't think I ever saw Chris Harris look blown up. I definitely saw James Storm look blown up sometimes. But once again, it's true because he was trying to be a small cruiserweight when he wasn't really a small cruiserweight. Right. And and also Chris Harris probably don't look blown up because he, he ain't doing nothing. <laughs> yeah, he's just throwing great punches and then he's got a couple of big moves and he's usually the hot tag. Or I even like him when he takes heat, man. Like that's the one thing. Like both of them were real good at getting beat up too. Chris Harris was really good at not doing too much. He was just like just doing enough. He was, you know, he's on the cell, but he's not like going crazy he's doing those spots he's not like over exerting himself he's just wham bam wham bam yeah he's never gonna give you really a chance to see any holes in his game which was great and like obviously look he was a huge man he was cut up like the ladies loved him it was like he was perfect for his role especially i think you're i think they're set up to be a good tag team when james storm a big guy is technically the small guy on the team so as long as the big guy could keep his end, which Harris totally did, they they were a successful tag team. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I so I wrote this pretty early. Where is it? Uh, oh, I don't even remember. But it, uh, I made a note pretty early that the America's Most Wanted was TV ready from the start. Yeah, like uh, they they hit. Like they were, they were hitting timeless Southern wrestling tropes. It was literally a cowboy and a wildcat. But like, look at him—he was just a big, giant, good-looking Southern boy. 
It was like the a, a southern heart. It was like two southern heartthrobs. It was like, oh come on, they were especially for a company like TNA, which kind of was taking the WCW kind of southern, you know, groundswell. Well, right. Uh, did you know both Chris Harris and James Storm were both under WCW developmental when they folded? Um, I think I did and forgot. But like I said, uh, last week at one of the O'Hare Ginger Girl hair matches was Chris Harris was in one of them. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Uh, but, uh, you know, when I thought that and then I started thinking more about the fact that they are they 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 were TV ready from the start. You got to thinking about like, oh, yeah, in early TNA, you know, uh, either they were guys who worked for WCW or WWE or they were like indie guys who weren't really TV ready. And then you have these two guys who can honestly just be your cornerstone and nobody identifies them with anywhere else but you. It's It was like the perfect, perfect match for them. Yeah, when I was thinking, as I was watching all their stuff, I was thinking about the ultimate question, which I find asking a lot of non-WWE teams, like, oh, would they have done better if they were in WWE? And part of me thinks, like, no, they would have been smoking guns 2.0. They would have been like, oh, they're cowboys, they're Southern, let's make them, you know, wow, whatever. But then part of me is like, but they had such good size to them that if they gave them a shot, they'd probably do well. But I think being the right place, right time was for them to be in TNA. In a lot of those matches, though, man, uh, the way that uh, America's Most Wanted shined for me was in like their little cells and the the emotion they put behind things that I was finding that the other teams were not doing. Yeah, no, that that was the one thing. They always were good at telling whatever story they needed to tell. Like, uh, like one of the matches was Storm gets put through a table and it's like, oh, he's done, he's out. And then Chris Harris, you can just read on his face of like, all right, it's two on one, let's do this. Like they're always able to tell whatever the story was. And then when he was down and then Storm comes up to make the save just for a second, like they're always good at telling whatever the story needs to be. Or even with the manager shenanigans, which I didn't really like because sometimes it was very hit or miss if they would go off well. But even that, like technically they did their parts well. It was just, you know, was Gail Kim going to be able to hit a good Rana on whoever was there? Oh, man. Oh, and you're, that's like that's late era uh, America's Most Wanted or in early uh, in early stuff. Man, the ref uh, ref is regularly just either in the way or so out of place or the spots taken way too long and the ref doesn't know what to do. Hmm. I wonder if it's, I wonder if a six sided ring is rougher on refs. Well, I'm talking about just four sided ring. I'm talking about like, I didn't, uh, the first like five or six matches I watched are all in just a normal ring. Okay. Mine were back and forth. But man, I was like, these refs, I don't know what's going on. They're like, anytime a heel tries to do heel work, it is just, the ref is just getting pointed in a direction and it's super unbelievable. I was like, man, this ref work is, early TNA ref work's tough sometimes. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't really notice. I was busy just watching the work, but. Yeah. Uh, so I watched the Skipper and CD cage match in the, the, the normal ring, not the one with the walk, the cage walk. Oh, okay. Yeah, I saw the cage walk one, which, man, let me tell you, like, it, it is a really good match. They do do a lot. They put in a lot of hard work. And, like, the big stuff goes good, not great, but does that crowd eat it up? Oh, my goodness. That's what takes that match to a whole nother level. That's why I was like, oh, match of the year, sure, I totally buy it. Because that six sides of steel one, like, it was, they, they just did big stuff, and it just worked. The first one, the the their first cage match in the normal cage, uh, in the four sided ring, is actually really awesome all the way through. Yeah, they them and Triple X had very good chemistry. Uh, actually, them and all the teams did because they ended up working each other so many times. You, you kind of have to, or or you're horrible. <laughs> right. Uh, the finish in the the one I watched was that top rope leg drop off the top of the cage. Oh, whose poor ass was doing that? Harris, right? Ay, caramba, poor guy. <laughs> that's a big that's a big man coming from very high into that bump. Yeah, that I will say that's the one thing, because in a lot of these gimmick matches, they bring it. Like 
uh, like they're big guys and they're like, we'll go through tables. We'll get hit with ladders. We'll get thrown into cages. They'll get, they'll bleed. Like that was one thing. They definitely made that the, the, the six sides of steel. I don't know. must've been cause there were six sides. It was more uh, jagged, but yeah, they were all bleeding and stuff. And I was just like, Oh man. Oh yeah. No, Chris Harris is bleeding. Like, I don't know, like two minutes into this, this other cage match. Yeah, because that's the thing. They put that cage over. If you touch it, you're, there's going to be consequences. Oh, yeah. I think <laughs> uh, I think Elix Skipper does not bleed. Yeah, yeah, no. He's the only one. <laughs> Is he the only one in that one, too? Yep. Man, TNA loved to use the cage. So I watched that cage match, and then I would click on another match, and I was like, is this another cage match? I'm not watching another cage match. Give me something different. Give me something different. Yeah, no, they definitely because I think I've I think there was a there was a Naturals one. Like I said, I saw the ladder match, which was which was fun. That one was fun. Their few with the Naturals I thought was real good too. Like, well, what happened to the Naturals? Well, uh, if you looked on YouTube, you can find an America's Most Wanted Naturals match from 2016. Oh wow! Okay, so still hanging and banging for a bit, I guess. But yeah, there was they had a fun feud. No, they did have a fun feud. Uh, yeah, after uh, after his WWE stints, I don't think Chris Harris did a whole lot. Uh, some indies sporadically here and there. James Storm, we all know what he did. Chase Stevens still rocks and rolls down south. I don't think Andy Douglas wrestles much anymore. Yeah, no, I always wanted. I saw him. I was like, oh, this guy was good. I wonder what happened. I wonder. I just I was like, oh, I assumed he got injured or something, which would suck, but. You know. Chase Stevens, Chase Stevens of the Naturals fame is he was on uh, TNA like recently. Well, good on him then. Well, resurgence. Yeah, no, and hey, they've got it right. They were they were for for the time they were in, they were a big deal for the company. You know what I mean? Like that that was a fun yeah. feud because you know what I mean. Um, I did I I did say this though when I watched them. Did you see the one where they had with Team 3D? I think early in the Spike era. I didn't see the 3D one, no. Okay, as I was watching it, because uh, it was early in the Spiker when they got on, you know, Spike TV, I feel like they should have been baby faces. Because they, they they start that and they're bad guys and they got Gail Kim and the manager shenanigans and, like, they're good at it. But I'm thinking if you're starting on a new foot with the world and these guys are your bright spot, they shouldn't be the bad guys. Yeah. Uh, no, I know. And they were only bad guys, like, at the end end. Yeah. But, okay, so then would you agree with me? I preferred them. I thought they were good heels, but I preferred them as, you know, classic Southern baby faces, you know, in peril. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God, 100%. Uh, and, yeah, for sure, they weren't bad at being uh, heels. Their, their heel stuff was fun. Their heel stuff was still good. And it, in certain ways, they were actually better at being heels. But... It doesn't mean that I don't prefer the baby faces. Yeah, that was the thing. I, the one thing I liked about them as heels is like, obviously they were able to play the role fine, but they got they're real good at uh, feeding for everything. Uh, H- Harris from the get go. Storm took a while to get there. Uh, I did notice that. Like I noticed Harris from the get go, kind of. Uh, uh, okay, I'll, I'll tell you this way because it was a comparison I made. They were like a Southern edge and Christian. Because, like, remember how you said Edge had the same offense from day one to, like, day a million? I feel like Harris was the same way. Like, he found, like, his ten good moves. like, all right, this is what I'm giving the world. Bro, I watched Chris Harris do a comeback that involved him hitting three full Nelson slams in a row. Yeah. (laughs) I I was like... I was like, what is he gonna switch it up? Is someone gonna nope. fight out? Nope. Yeah, that's what I feel like. I feel like he found his ten moves. It was like, this is what you get, world. I'll mix them up. That's fine. But yeah. Yeah, and uh and they also I mean they basically just had the they did the heart attack in basically every match. And uh they did, you know, their finish, the whatever they called it, the death sentence, which was just yep. like the vegematic. Yep. They had a uh, corner spot they were doing where one goes and the other one goes diagonal but comes off and feeds into the... And it worked. Oh, yeah. I think they cut that once they moved to six sides. Oh, yeah. I could imagine that getting weird with six sides. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. But uh, 
they started picking up some combos there towards the end when they were working with AJ and Daniels. Yeah. Oh, that was the thing. They definitely had stuff, but it was very, it was, it was sporadic. Yeah. No, the only, the only constants were the, the, the heart attack and the Vegematic. But that's why I was drawn to the, the team Canada matches. I saw, I was like, I don't know. Team Canada brings something out of them where they just do, they suddenly, they busted out more stuff. Yes. Oh, so, uh, I noticed this in the Skipper and Daniel's cage, and I, which it made sense there. But they also did it in the Bobby Roode Eric Young one, where they do like they use a long, they use a, an opening brawl, and then a long heat segment to make the long uh, uh, kickouts on the false finishes uh, mean more. Yeah. I thought that's the one thing, like, I never got bored with any of their matches, even though the structure was, you know, you know, typical tag match structure. But once again, they were always good at telling whatever the story was. Uh, they worked really good with little guys. So if they were working with little guys, it was trying to keep the little guy. He was always scampering away and always trying to keep him in their, in their corner. You know what I mean? Or if it was a big guy, they'd have to stay on him, on him, on him, or chin lock him to death. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just feel like they put if they knew that they were going to go crazy with false finish in the end, they would put enough into the beginning and the middle so that they could all realistically sell down and wait and build to the next thing. Oh yeah, yep, I agree with that. It's it was very very smartly done. I mean, it it may seem like a very duh thing, but you'll see it a lot in tag matches where they don't and like there's that one guy left just with his thumb up his ass just like uh, i guess i'm still up here yeah okay yeah that's what i'm saying i feel like i don't know if that's like a memphis thing but i feel like that's like a southern tag if you're gonna have a big ending you gotta make it you gotta show that it's worth it by you know uh realistically you're beaten up at the end because there was a whole match before you got to that right exactly they didn't backload it they're not like oh we'll put all our cool stuff on the end they they made sure to put enough and sometimes like something real big in the beginning so then by the time they got to that end to get that cool stuff in they had you know there so much had happened that they realistically are all spent yeah i'm trying to find which match it was but yeah there was one where it was something early on like i said i said it earlier it was one it was well they brought a little bit yada, was it a yada. table yeah, and then he went through the table, and then they he, then he was just two on one. But they had done that a few times where they take out one guy, and they even did it to the other team too a lot, where they take out one of their guys, and it was them two on one on one guy. Yeah, and that uh, the skipper and CD Cage uh, Harris is like he takes a heat and and gets like real bloodied up, where you can't even believe that he's going to get back in this match because he's like he's like caked caked in blood, and then yeah, so they kind of eliminate him for a second, so let James Storm run. Oh, they did that in the in the six side of the steel, and I really liked it because it was smartly done. Uh, early on, they handcuffed uh, Harris, so he couldn't do anything. But he already got busted over. But he was just handcuffed, so he couldn't do anything. But the smart thing was the the key was on a necklace that was really big, like on a lanyard almost. And like uh, Daniels was like ha ha ha, and put it on his neck. It was like oh ha ha ha. I got and eventually got speared, and it flew off, and then he got it. He got himself out, made his comeback, yada, yada, yada. And the finish was awesome because what do they do? They then put Daniels gets handcuffed, and then they hit Daniels and Skipper's finish on Skipper right in front of Daniels, one, two, three. I was like, that's good shit. Man, what was Daniels and Skipper's finish? Uh, It was uh, the Ansco marching. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no, I saw them do that uh, in – maybe it was – against skipper and daniels <laughs> yeah Maybe that's where i saw it but yeah they hit that i was because i remember like they were like they even and the commentators even put over like they were gonna go for theirs and they looked at daniels and like no we're gonna hit yours and then switched it around and hit it and beat them one two three i was like wow that's good stuff oh i'm glad you mentioned commentary because uh i meant to bring that up early man those commentators are so tanae and don west are so excited about literally everything and it makes me excited about literally everything okay i was like he better say they're excited if he doesn't say they're excited then you're like they're excited i was like okay good (laughs) they're crazy excited it's so like and then you look to the outside and you see like anytime they get wide enough and you see jeremy borash reacting also at ringside and sometimes g in the crowd up i was like man that's really smart and i kind of love it 
Yeah, no, it was it was great. Yeah, uh, but yeah, Don West was a gem. Let me tell you. <laughs> Especially, I loved it when he would get so Under, worked up th- that he didn't know what he think. He would just get flabbergasted. And like you know, he didn't know everything about wrestling, so sometimes things would throw him off. But he would just be super excited about it. Yeah, I don't even think I noticed because I was just so happy that they were so excited. Yeah, and of course, uh, they were always excited for an America's Most Wanted match because that was usually one of the better matches on the show. Yeah, it, they really were. A lot of times because the uh, Impact Plus doesn't have like a skip directly to match feature. Uh-huh. So I would be fast forwarding through these going, hoof and hoof. No. Oh, there it is. But yeah, luckily, the, luckily we were watching usually the match of the night in most cases, so it was easy for commentary to be good. That was the one thing. Sometimes when we watch, like like those Jindrak O'Hare matches weren't fun because there wasn't a ton going on, so Mark Madden was yapping. I would much rather have Don West going crazy about, you know, hitting the death sentence. Not for nothing, yeah, I, I don't remember enjoying Don West a whole lot back in the day, but I enjoyed him here. I enjoyed him a lot. Oh, I always enjoyed him. Sometimes, you know, he would get a little too much, but I never found myself being against him like some people were. Yeah, maybe I thought he was trying to – I felt like he was trying to cram AMW down my throat back in the day, and I wasn't, I wasn't trying to be here for it. But now, watching it now, when I'm watching for America's Most Wanted, I am here for yeah, it. Yeah, I felt like he was just a big homer, and they were they were definitely part – they were big part of the home team, you know what I mean? Oof. It, I was – they were good. I, I No no complaints uh, for Don West and Mike Tanay out of me. Yeah, and like I said, they had good matches to call, and they were always getting good teams. Like, I'm looking through here, and it's just like, I mean, like – you look back, you're like, oh, Team Canada, it was Petey and Rude. It was like, look what they went on to be. You know what I mean? Like, Petey's goddamn legend. Rude went on. He's still hanging in bang. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. Oh, no, for sure. Uh, I don't think the uh, the tag division gets enough love. Uh, like I said, there's a, there was an AJ and Chris Daniels team. Man, Chris Daniels. Uh, that was uh, doing this exercise for not being uh, about Chris Daniels, I watched a lot of Christopher Daniels. Oh, yeah, come on. Of course. He's awesome. Of course. That's like I said. I feel like the their best finishing stretches were always in matches with him. Yes. Yeah, for sure. That's not – yeah, that's an easy one. But, yeah, there's other teams they worked like uh, – uh, oh, I think their debut may have been against uh, – I've, I can't come up with it. The Rainbow Express or the Rainbow Connection was like Bruce and Lenny. Okay, I was going to say, you're talking about, yeah, yep, or formerly XS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. I was because I, I always look at their cage match first and I was like, woof, what an opening team. But I think they also went on to, to wrestle the Johnsons. Remember them? Okay, yep, yep, yep. Or the, the big guys, the big, oh, God, yes. Yeah, so they had some uh, whatevers. Uh, some things I didn't write down about their accomplishments. Apparently, they won a gauntlet for the gold in 2002, which is apparently some kind of tag team battle royal situation. Oh, okay. And they won a tag team tournament in 03. And the, oh man, uh, I wish I would have just wrote down the lineup for this thing. They wind up beating in the finals David Young and Tracy Brooks. TNA, everybody. I mean, okay. <laughs> uh, I was gonna say, how they fell out of whole tournament? I mean, yeah, they definitely had good teams through, throughout the years. They were never super stacked at one time, per se. No, yeah, for sure, for sure. But yeah, they had some teams that like popped in. Like, uh, I, I wanted to get a Kid Cash and Dallas one in there. I just didn't get a chance to, because uh, they were floating around there uh, before. Chase Stevens was in the Naturals. He was in the Hot Shots with Cassidy O'Reilly. Oh yeah, I remember the Hot Shots. Yeah, yeah. There was some. There was some teams. There was some team. Oh, one of the. <laughs> there was a four way where they wrestled. Uh, uh, Brian, the minister, the Sinister Ministers crew with uh, Brian Lee and oh, yeah, uh, and Slash. Uh, they wrestled them, the Harris brothers. And 
just incredible and Perry Saturn. Yeah, I knew there was gonna be some made up to you because that was the thing, man. And th- okay, just surely by you saying that, I was like, okay, that was early TNA because early TNA it was any cast off from ECW, WCW, XPW, QPW, anything was anything and everything was showing up there. <laughs> Woo, there was some wild ones, but yeah, uh, America's Most Wanted. Uh, they're really the only one that that went from uh, from you know start till they they fizzled out but there wasn't another team that ran side by side with them you know every other team had their run and then just fizzled no, off like i said uh right place right time i don't you know what i mean like i said i don't unless unless like you said unless they stayed and and were you know ready for wcw tv soon i think tna was probably the best spot they were gonna not that they were not that they could have gotten but it was the best spot at that time for them Oh my God. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Cause in WCW, they would have just been young guys coming in. Whereas in TNA, they could be TNA's guys, like the homegrown, like they didn't have a lot of those, you know, they, they were, I mean, how many did they really have? Monty Brown, uh, America's most wanted, uh, AJ. you know, uh, AJ. Yeah. In the early, early days. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really it though. I mean, uh, you know, guys like Team Canada came eventually, but in the beginning, beginning, the 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 homegrown guys were America's Most Wanted, Monty Brown, AJ Styles, and maybe a, a small handful of others. Yeah, no, they definitely that. That's why I was kind of excited because I was like, all right, they're definitely the team. They're definitely going to have a. You know what I mean? Look at their look at their catalog. They've and like we said, everybody's kind of sort of come through TNA, so they've mixed it up with them because why not show them off? Be like, oh, we got. Like, that's why I liked uh, – I was excited for the Rhino-Christian match because I was like, okay, these are two very TNA guys versus two very WWE guys. And they mixed fine. Especially, I really liked it because, once again, the size game, I go, they look perfectly – if anything, they might even be bigger than the other two. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Yeah. So, not only were they uh, TNA's own guys, but they were both big boys. You know, they weren't uh... – they weren't undersized. They weren't, you know, if you put them up against anybody from WWE, they really weren't going to get over, too over overcrowded, overshadowed. And, but, and I don't know why. I was expecting them to not work well with little guys. And I'm talking little guys. Like, uh, like Quiet Storm's a little guy. Like, P.D. Williams is smaller than me. After I watched the, the SATs one, I was like, uh, I don't know if I can get into the Divine Storm one now. I, I it, it did not leave me where I wanted to be. <laughs> but once again, a solid 10-minute match. It was nothing spectacular, but I was like, okay, it was a tag match. They went out, they put in 10 minutes. You know, Trinity did a bunch of stuff. All right, cool. But once again, I don't and, – and surprisingly, the bigger Harris, I felt, worked better with small guys. I think they wrestled Divine Storm like three different times, too. Yeah. They, Divine Storm was a thing Oof. for a second. Oh, it, them and SAT were hilarious because, like, you could tell they were like, "Oh crap, TNA!" They all went and got new gear. <laughs> oh yeah, they were looking good. Yeah, and then once uh, for like Divine Storm, when they had Trinity, she definitely helped them, but it definitely made a package. And like, I think they definitely had more legs in TNA than SAT did. Oh yeah, they were putting over the SATs on commentary pretty hard though. Uh, they claimed that they were eighteen and twenty-one at the time, and I was like, I don't know if that can be true. Yeah, I don't think so. It was like two thousand two. I was like, there's no way one of them is eighteen right now. Yeah, because they'd already been wrestling for like two or three years, and they were doing it in states where you kind of had to be. Because remember, like the Briscoes couldn't, but the SAT obviously did. Right, yeah. They said it right at the right at the beginning. They're like eighteen and twenty one apiece. And I was like, mm, I don't know where you're getting that. Maybe info. when they started. Maybe they were. All right, Cheech. But they weren't no grown ass men. See, look at me. I'm bringing it back. They weren't no grown ass men like two southern boys, like America's Most Wanted. <laughs> Agreed. So. What made those two Southern boys great as a tag team? Exactly that. They were, they were, uh, I feel like they are a timeless Southern tag team, which meaning, and I don't mean that derogatorily. That's a good thing. And I mean, that as like a legitimate style of, you know, it's, it's punch, kick, fiery comebacks, sometimes bleeding, always look like you're in a fight. Everybody's looking sweaty and beat up afterwards. Like, I don't think there's a time where you could take them, pick a time machine, plop them in any era, and they're going to appeal to Southern Americans. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, I I, I said earlier, uh, I think why they were great is because, uh, I mean, partially TNA needed them to be great. They they had two guys who were TV ready. Who you know, it's that that old expression that the uh, that they they bleed for this. You know, they they didn't have those. Those guys who were cast off from WCW or WWF or ECW or whatever, they weren't gonna go out and and put it all on the line every night for NWA TNA on weekly pay per view. They weren't going to. But guys like James Storm and Chris Harris, who never even got a shot out of their developmental with WCW, were. Yeah, that's why I said in all like the big gimmick matches they were in, they always brought it. You know what I mean? And you'd think big guys maybe aren't, you know, looking to fall off a giant ladder or go through tables being the giant humans they are. Nope, they brought it every time. No, they they bled for it. They they represented TNA. TNA needed guys like them, and they stepped up to the plate, and they, they crushed it. They knocked it out of the park. Yeah, and like, like I said, I was looking for them to be like, oh, only one-dimensional. What really meant to, to me, being a small guy, the fact that they could work with small guys, like they didn't have any holes in their games. They wrestled, they had just as good 10-minute match for Divine Storm as they did with Team 3D. And there's a big difference between those two teams, you know what I mean? In literally every way, in, in stature, in experience, in style. Yeah, Yeah. no, I, I couldn't agree more. They were the, the, the perfect, uh, TNA really really lucked out imagine tna imagine early tna without america's most wanted yeah it would have just been them throwing other teams like maybe they would have just made the naturals more but still no they lucked out yeah but the naturals ain't no america's most wanted and i love chase yeah no i know exactly but you know i mean i feel like they would have just tried to find another team to be their team and they naturals were also a great southern team but they were more uh, i called them the southern american males (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's pretty true even though the american males were pretty southern oh definitely but you know what i mean like they were i was like oh that's just new school they're just they're pretty boys but okay do you agree with my uh comparison to edge and christian because both kind of tall yes one's actually bigger and kind of a little bit more of the superstar but the other one's really good too and like once again they never did anything super huge they always did just enough to work with anybody yeah, no, uh, definitely. And they, like I said earlier, they kind of melded themselves into the style of whoever they were working. They were, they were, you know, flexible. They could do a little bit of whatever. They, they did whatever was needed of them. Yeah, that's why I enjoyed it when, like, uh, you know, the gimmick matches or when it was like, oh, no, high fly, you guys. Let's see what they do. Yeah, no, for sure. So, Cheech, how would we defeat America's Most Wanted? <sighs> I don't know, because once again, I said they're really good at wrestling small guys. So I think we would just have to try and go and just, I don't know, man, try and still even out small guy them. Because, I mean, they're still giant dudes. But it also leaves them susceptible. They also uh, lost a lot on on shenanigans. So we just have to outsmall them and then try and, oh, and keep Chris Harris out. Because, like I said, I never saw the man tired. So we just keep beating up on poor James Storm and then try and uh, pull shenanigans to beat him. That's all I could think. Because, yeah, like I said, well, that, Harris never tired ever. That's what I was going to say. So we we let uh, – we rope-a-dope uh, James Storm. We let James Storm tire himself out with all of his stuff. And then we outsmart Chris Harris because while he may never get blown up, he ain't smarter than us. Yeah, no, that's the thing. They were definitely susceptible to uh, shenanigans behind the ref's back, which we can do that. So if we let James Storm kind of punch himself out, kind of tire himself out, then uh, as long as we can withstand a little bit of uh, the wildcat, then we could just outsmart him. Yeah. We got to try and survive one physically and then survive the other one mentally. And then I think we got them because luckily we have both in spades. Agreed. Agreed. So yeah, anytime, anytime, Braden Walker, anytime, uh, James storm, man, you know what I mean? Like sometimes I think about that. <laughs> I think about that. Cause you look at Chris Harris look like a million bucks. And I was like, Braden Walker, like I, I like after watching how good he was as Chris Harris and then seeing Brian Walker, it's like, oh man, I just felt bad for the guy. Yeah, I could see why it didn't work. 
I could too, but then part of me could be like, man, if he got signed maybe five years earlier, I could see him being big. You know what I mean? I don't know, man. I disagree, I think. I think that's a point that we're going to disagree on. I think that just his his level of slow going in to uh, a situation like WWE at that time would not have, have worked in his favor. Really? I don't, you don't see him as being a slightly better test? Not as tall, unfortunately. No. No. no I don't, actually. Okay. I think, I think it worked because of where it was and the time, and like we said earlier, that they needed guys like that, and they were willing to go all uh, like all out. But I, I'm not sure he himself was ever going to succeed in WWE. And in fact, looking at him, even in those tag matches, uh, I don't know if I could separate him from the team in my mind even enough to say if I was WWE that I would want to sign him. Yeah, I guess. But I don't want to end it on a downer. Let's talk about how good of a team they were again. Man, they were a good team. They were really good. But to- that's what I'm saying. They were such a good they were such a good team. If I'm WWE and one of them becomes available, I'm like, I want the pair. Yeah, you want the package. You want the cowboy hats. You want the you want the long trench coats. Uh one of the things I wrote down, I loved the beer bottle being a gimmick just because it worked. You know what I mean? Like everybody needs a weapon and that just worked for them. I was like, Oh, it was so good. Oh, one of the things I wrote was sad he doesn't still have fake guns. Well, I you know, it's uh, I don't think you can just <laughs> whip out fake guns anymore. <laughs> well, still sad about it. No, I agree. All right, and that was America's most wanted. And now we have really gone through the uh the the list. Yeah, we've hit uh we've hit Japan. We've hit now. We've hit Impact. Uh, we've hit WWF, WWE, WCW, ECW. So yeah, now next week is up for grabs. We can look. We can get a little wacky if we want, or we could go back to being classical. Yeah, I mean everything's up for grabs now. Yeah, way way up for grabs. We did look into some Mexican teams. That's a that one's going to be a whole excursion, I think, for us. Yeah, though. that one. I'm trying to figure out a way. I'm going to try and figure out if I can like curate my own playlists or something. Like I'll go look and try and find like 20 matches and be like, oh, favorite, 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 and try and send them to you or something. Because yeah, we definitely got to get yeah. some lucha in there at some point. I'm not saying it's next week. We're not miracle workers. Right. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, yeah, we 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 keep talking about it, and we keep saying, "Well, it, it it just saying it sounds like a daunting task." Yeah, and we've got so many other teams still available, so we don't have to harp on it. It could be an eventual thing. That's right. That's right. That's right. So we've done America's Most Wanted, and next week uh, is uh, is up in the air. When you listen to this, uh, odds are we won't have chosen a team yet. So, so throw one at us. Literally, whatever comes to your brain, throw it on. Bring it on. Yeah, yeah, because usually we, we, we record these and then marinate for a couple days trying to figure out. So there will definitely be some time for you people to throw us some good ideas. All right. I'm going to throw this up tomorrow. But for you guys who are listening, it'll be today. It'll actually be right now while you're listening. Oh. So, anyways, we will see you guys next week. Adios.